Yo, what's good everybody? This is Jay with Unfair, where you know we take a pensive approach to the sports conversation. You can be getting your sports and entertainment news from anywhere in the world, but guess what? You got it from here. We, since you're riding with us, we appreciate that. We're going to dive into a few things here today, and I want to tell you our topics of discussion. I want to dive into the NBA's looking at expanding and why I think it's a bad idea. Deshaun Watson isn't happy with the Texans, and I'll explain why. The college football playoffs. My bad, the National Championships here. It's going to either be a blowout or close. We'll talk about the difference between the two. And wrap up with some NFL playoff predictions. I got three games that I feel like make sense. And I'm going to tell you about it. All of my Solo Weekend episodes are presented by my boys over at Clutch Culture. In those moments in life, you're either clutch or you're not. Clutch Culture is here to help you identify yourself with hats and t-shirts. You can go out there and show the world that you are clutch. And you're going to come through in the clutch. Check out their website, www.clutch-culture.com. Again, www.clutch-culture.com. You know what? Let's dive in and start with this. Woo! Happy Friday. Happy Friday. This is definitely a Friday. Man, what a week uh, with all the craziness going on in the Capitol. I want to make a quick statement on that. Uh, pray for everybody. Pray for this nation. If you're a prayer, do it. If you're not, still find a way to do it. Whatever you believe in, um, we need it. We need some healing. We need some love we need some caring about our neighbors more than ourselves we need a lot of things that are supposed to be examples of who we are as a country and i just don't feel like we're there anymore and so the only way to get there is to get there we gotta we gotta bust our butts to get to that point so keep just keep pushing keep grinding keep praying and uh let's uh let's do this All right, the NBA is looking at expanding. They're looking at potentially adding a couple of teams. And to be honest, it doesn't make any sense. It makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. And there's a couple reasons why with that. So let's talk through this. The Minnesota Timberwolves right now, owner Glenn Taylor, has put the team up for sale for the third time since 2012. Problem is he ain't found nobody to buy it. Not that he hasn't actually found a buyer, but someone that's willing to buy the team in his with his terms and conditions, which is leaving the team in Minnesota. And there's no one locally in Minnesota that wants to buy the team. He's approached the owners of the Minnesota Vikings that I've read in the report from Brian Windhorse uh, from uh, ESPN. And it's interesting to see that the Vikings owners didn't want to buy in like in New Orleans, in order to keep the Pelicans down there at the time they were the Hornets, they were able to get the Benson family, who's the owner of the New Orleans Saints, to buy the team to keep them in place. And so because Glenn has been struggling since 2012 to find an ownership group that will buy the team at his asking price, which is north of $1.7 billion, yes, with a B, for the Minnesota Timberwolves, they're not able to find anybody that's going to actually buy the team and keep them there. I mean, they've had a few people that have bidded on it and had an idea of making the purchase. Let me see. There was a guy out of New Jersey. 
Dan Strauss, uh, a New Jersey-based healthcare magnate, as well as a former minority, minority owner of the Memphis Grizzlies, they kind of had an offer sheet in the place, but it ended up falling through. Mainly because I bet you Glenn Taylor thought that there was a chance the team was going to get moved. Now, the other option is, of course, sell the team to someone in Seattle and just relocate it. But that's something the NBA doesn't want to do. They don't want to keep moving teams around and shuffling them around like that. So I get that. So that's where the expansion conversation is coming in. And this is where it doesn't make any sense. If the Timberwolves are struggling to sell their team and keep them in place, what makes you think two more teams potentially will be vibrant enough to last in the NBA? Right now, financially, the NBA is struggling. So expanding actually helps them in the financial piece because right now the fee, based upon Winhurst's report, is about $2.5 billion per team. $2.5 billion per team, which means each team, because these fees do not go to the players. If When the league decides to expand, all the fees go to the ownership. And so if all the owners get a piece of the pie, that calculates at roughly like, like $160 million. That would wipe out all the debt that they've been dealing with after everything that happened in 2020 with the COVID situation as well as with what happened in China and their partnerships there. This could wipe it all out. So this would be perfect for them, right? You would think, oh, yeah, expand, add more teams. But then it adds to the next variable, which is realignment, which probably isn't as hard, but then it gets to watering down the product. Right now, in all sports, every sport is roughly top-heavy. To an extent, the NFL probably has the best parity of any sport, and they don't have that much parity. The reason why I say that is, if you think about it, look at all of the champions over the years, and then look at the teams that make the playoffs over the years. The good thing about the NFL is there's always a turnover when it comes to the playoffs. There's roughly three to four teams that make the playoffs that didn't make it the year before. And so it gives that allure of parity. It makes you think that every team has a chance. Plus, injuries play a big factor, and usually the healthiest team at the end of the year is the one that usually wins the Super Bowl. So you do have a chance of actually competing in NFL in comparison to the NBA where it's so star driven that the top 1% makes a larger difference in the games than they do in other sports. Like, for example, Mike Trout's considered the best, if not one of the greatest baseball players to ever play the game. I don't even think he's made the playoffs yet. That means that he does not impact the game enough to change it to where his team will do better in the playoffs. So, For the NBA, this will do nothing but water down the product and spread out the talent even more. Then we're going to get to the situation where we are today, where everyone's complaining that stars want to go to these bigger cities and play together. I'm not sure if you knew this or even knew this about yourself, but I guarantee you prefer to work with good employees rather than bad ones, right? Even if all the employees and coworkers you have are some of the tops in the industry, you prefer to work with the top of the top because it makes your life easier. That's exactly what NBA players think. This is, goes back into the 80s. I'm going to do a video to discuss 
what the difference is between the 80s, 90s, and today's stars and how player mobility is a lot different in comparison to back then. But that's a conversation for another day. But as of right now, if the NBA wants to prevent watering down their product, they should not look at expansion. Because really an expansion is just a money grab. And that's the last thing the NBA needs. Even though financially it helps, for the longevity of the product, you don't want to do it. It's time for the national championship. We got Alabama Crimson Tide taking on the Ohio State Buckeyes down in Florida. I'm going to give you my prediction of who's going to win, and I'm going to tell you why. I'm not going to go too far into why they're never going to expand, but I do want to talk about this game because it's going to be a good one. shouldn't be a thriller. I'm going to explain why it's going to be a thriller and why it won't be a thriller. So let's first start off why it should be a thriller. Ohio State went out there, played, won six games this season. I mean, they didn't play a full season due to COVID and all the craziness that happened in 2020. And Molly Watt, Clemson in the semifinal game. Now, let, let, let's, let's look at this because Clemson was supposed to be better than this. They were supposed to be a national championship team. They got the number one overall draft pick at quarterback with Trevor Lawrence. There is no chance. There shouldn't be a single chance that this team goes out there and loses to an Ohio State team who has a very questionable secondary and a quarterback who has looked subpar in the last few games. Justin Fields had a career game against them career game and just molly whopped him then he got hit i swear to god that man probably broke at least three ribs with the hit that he took wincing and grimacing as he was going up the field and still continued to drive them up ramp score they beat clemson 49 to 28 And that's the crazy part, because when you start thinking about the college football playoffs, our complaint is that nobody else gets a chance. But if you really look at who played in in the semifinals, Clemson and Notre Dame got blown out. College football is top-heavy. Parity does not exist. It's a parody. Don't believe it. But, like I said, I'm not going to argue in regards to expansion and why I think other teams deserve the opportunity to get blown out by these teams. But Clemson deserve to be there. They should be there. They were great all season. They were wearing everybody out in their conference. That's how it should be. You win your conference, you should be in the tournament. If you can destroy everybody that you play against on your side, you deserve to go ahead and move forward. Because it's really hard to go undefeated in college football, irregardless of what conference you're in and who you're playing against. Because the talent's about the same. In your, in your conference. So outside of that, with Ohio State playing the way they did, Alabama, of course, demolishing Notre Dame as we expected. We knew that Notre Dame had no chance. This game is shaping up to be a lot better than what you guys expect. Mainly because there's not a bunch of film on Ohio State right now. So Alabama's going to go out there. They're going to play their game. They're going to do what they do best. They're going to evaluate their opponent. And it feels like Nick Saban pulls a Bill Belichick 
and always takes away your best weapon. His defense focuses on that. And so this gonna, this, that's where the game's going to be good. It's going to be a good chess match between Ryan Day and Nick Saban as they try to figure out how to go back and forth. Justin Fields is showing that he is a pro. He's a star out there on the football field. So he should be able to do enough to carry this team. They should be able to compete. They both have enough talent on both sides to, to make it work. Ohio State showed against Clemson. Their offensive line and defensive line are really strong. They got a strong line play, and strong line play is what gets you through the playoffs. So them big boys start leaning on you. They start wearing you out and exhausting you. That's where the rubber meets the road. Now, this is why the game is not going to be close. Even though Ohio State was at a disadvantage due to not playing as many games, Alabama basically walked away with just about every award you really want. Let's go down the list. So, Alabama walked away with the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, who also won the Fred Belindikoff Award, who's given to the nation's top receiver. Smith is the first wide receiver to win the Heisman since Desmond Howard in, what was that, 1991? 92? 91? And... His quarterback, Mac Jones, got the Davey O'Brien. Left tackle, Alex Leatherwood got the Outland Award. Running back, Najee Harris, got the Doak Walker, nation's top running back. And their center, Landon Dickerson, got the Remington Award given to the nation's best center. My point is they just walked away with all these awards. Do you really expect... Ohio State to compete with this great of a setup? I know both teams have a bunch of five stars on both sides, but Alabama has been killing it in the recruiting for years. Check out my guy R.J. Young and his uh, college football analysis and and channel where he breaks a lot of this stuff down, and it's it's mind-blowing what Alabama can can do. And even with that, Devontae Smith isn't really considered their best wide receiver. That's Jalen Waddle, who's supposed to come back for this game. So, what if Ohio State still has a questionable secondary that I don't think those questions were answered against Clemson. I just felt like they were a better team on that, on that evening. Do you believe that Ohio State's going to be prepared for the speed and power that you see out of Alabama and their five stars. Whose five stars are better? That's what you got to ask yourself. And and I guess I play both sides of the fence on it. But if I'm going to be real, I don't see things going to be close. I think that Alabama is going to go out there and they're just going to run the game. They're going to dominate. They have all the weapons to do it. And of course, Ohio State dealing with COVID situations, so we don't even know fully who's going to play. And if that's the situation and they decide not to postpone the game, yeah, this is going to be just as ugly as the other ones. So, hey, you guys got your playoff, right? Even though it's another ugly one. All right, the Houston Texans just hired Nick Casario, formerly from the New England Patriots, to be their new general manager. You may think, oh, this may be a good idea, But I caution you on that, mainly because he came from the New England Patriots. I don't have any beef with the Patriots organization whatsoever. But if you've noticed, anyone that comes from the lineage of Bill Belichick 
doesn't always do very well. Now, Joe Judge is still, you know, we can't judge, no pun intended, on him yet. But if you look at everyone else that's come through that lineage, hasn't been very good. And so the Texans went and got their second guy from that lineage. And Watson's not very happy. The reason why Deshaun's not happy is because they didn't even consult him about it. Now, I get what you're thinking. I've had a few people say this on The Bird on Twitter, saying how they didn't have to. They had no obligation in that. And you're right. Your job, your bosses, your boss's bosses don't have to consult you to hire you a new boss. You're right. They don't. They can go out and get you a replacement if you lose your boss or your boss leaves and do whatever they want to. And you just have to work with that new person. I get that. This ain't the same situation. Can't compare you to what Deshaun Watson and the NFL and how that works. Deshaun Watson is the franchise quarterback. He is a very talented player, as we've seen in his very short career, that he is a game changer based upon what's placed around him. Like He's done a lot with with very little. And so because of that, that's the person that you want to make feel like they can trust you and the Texans going out hiring this general manager and not consulting him about it is not a good way to uh you know make somebody trust you see what I'm saying that's the issue at hand so what the Texans reportedly did is they actually told Watson that they would talk to him about it and they would potentially consider things from him But then they never talked to him about it. They went out and hired a guy. And guess when Deshaun Watson found out about the hiring? You guessed it, the same time we did on social media. That is not a good thing. That is very poor, very piss poor communication. Especially in an organization that has been showing that they're kind of inept when it comes to a lot of things. They don't have first round draft pick for what, two years? Because of what Bill O'Brien did? They traded DeAndre Hopkins, star wide receiver, for a second round pick and a running back. No shade to David Johnson. He had a he ended the season well. But you don't trade a talented wide receiver like that for a second round pick when you can command a first easily. They didn't do that. Oh yeah. They didn't talk to Watson, Deshaun Watson about that either. That's where the problem lies. So in this report. From ESPN, within the organization, Watson's mad. And so he tweeted out, some things never change. And you can tell what he meant was, with this organization, based upon the sources even confirming a lot of this, is that this is how the organizations ran. They keep doing the same things over and over and over again. And it's wearing them out. I get it. As your franchise quarterback who just signed a massive deal, You don't invest that much money in a guy and want them to be disgruntled. You don't. So now the rumor is is that Deshaun Watson is going to ask for a trade because he just doesn't trust the direction of the team. I get him. The problem is is that what's going to cost to get a quarterback like him, I don't know if any team's going to be able to do it. I did see another report that the Texans have no interest in trading him, but... 
if you want to start the conversation, you can begin with three first-round picks, three second-round picks, and a player. Probably a quarterback. I don't see a single team going after that. Now, now, maybe the 49ers may jump on that, or even the Dolphins, who seem to be out on Tua already, even though he just got there. That's basically the only two teams I think that would jump on board because they're in win-now situations. And not having those picks probably won't hurt them as much because they can lure in free agents. But outside of that, I don't see anybody else giving up that much capital, that much money to get Watson. And you say, how is Watson worth all of that? Jamal Adams got two first-round picks when Seattle traded for him. And it actually made their defense a little bit better. So if you get a generational talent like Deshaun Watson at quarterback, do you think that a team that the Texans aren't going to command a King's ransom to get them? I mean, look at what they did in the NBA. Similar situations. You get these players, of course, it's going to cost you a King's ransom to get a guy that will change everything. And the one position in the NFL that does change everything is the quarterback. So, of course, Houston is in their right mind to ask for all of that. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think the team's going to give it up. But we'll see. I don't see Watson being gone. I see Watson being there for the foreseeable future. I just hope that Houston can trade away some of their other players, recoup some draft capital, and build around the man. Because like J.J. Watt said to him at the end of the season, you don't want to waste any more years of a quarterback like him. Especially one that's really good at being elusive, but also getting sacked all the damn time. Wildcard Weekend is among us. So we have... These three games that I think, if, if any of them of this weekend seem like the most critical, where there's more interest within storylines. To me, you can object, let us know in the comments, all that jazz, because we'd love to know what you think about all of this. First game I want to dive into is going to be Actually, first off, let's talk about the games that's going to be this weekend. These are all the wild card games that we have. We have the Colts playing in Buffalo against the Bills. They're your first game on Saturday. The Los Angeles Rams takes on the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle that afternoon. And then the nightcap is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling up to D.C. to play the Washington football team. It still cracks me up that Washington gets to host a home game with a losing record. Then on Sunday, you've got the Ravens taking on the Tennessee Titans, the Chicago Bears traveling to New Orleans to play the Saints, and then we wrap things up, we put a bow on it, with the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers, where the Cleveland Browns are making the playoffs for the first time since, what, 2002? Gotta love it, right? First game. Let's look at the Colts and the Bills. The reason why this is the most intriguing one is we've got two highly rated teams on the defensive side, as well as a very explosive and upcoming quarterback in Josh Allen versus a very much aging quarterback in Phillip Rivers. Now, I'm intrigued about this game because we get two things out of it. Number one, we get to see what Josh Allen's going to do in the playoffs this year. 
Last year, it was comically bad. But, of course, everyone still loves him. And he has dramatically improved year over year. Now, I'm going to put together a video about Josh Allen and explain why none of you need to apologize about your original takes about him because you had no reason to. The Colts are traveling over there, and they actually have a really good defense. Like, their defensive line is pretty solid. And Darius Leonard is a monster at linebacker. I had him on my fantasy team last year at linebacker, and he was one of the top point getters. And so I've always paid attention to him because of that. And in our original NFL preview show, we talked about how the Colts' defense is truly underrated, and they're really, 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 really good. I mean, we look at them, what's this, DVOA-wise – They've been rated in, I think, the top 10 most of the season. And so that's kind of a saving grace for a team like them. They're number seven at the end of the season, which is huge in the NFL. Number seven ranked defense. So they're going up against the Buffalo Bills, and Josh Allen's got to show us that he is the guy that, he, that he's been showing us all season, that, that season wasn't a fluke. Most important time, all the pressure to me of anybody in the playoffs is on Josh Allen because of how great he did this season. He's got to show us that he can continue to win, especially in pressure against a team like the Colts, but also because there's a chance he won't have his top receiver in Stephon Diggs. Now, right now, he is questionable more so in a day-to-day situation. If I'm correct, it's his ankle that he's down with. And so that can be a problem, mainly because, hear me out, I can make the argument that Stephon Diggs is one of the reasons why Josh Allen's having such a great season. Now, so it's his oblique, so it's the side, which, ooh, that's painful, especially as much cutting and running as he does. Ugh, it just hurts. hurts in the movement. But outside of that, that's a key thing that Josh Allen's going to have to show us if he loses Stephon Diggs is his ability to work with whatever's placed in front of him. Stephon Diggs is a number one bona fide wide receiver for any team he plays for. He is an elite route runner, and he makes up mistakes for quarterbacks. He makes them look better. I mean, look at Kirk Cousins this year. You can tell he missed a receiver like Stephon Diggs out there. That's your difference maker. And so, J.A.'s going to have to show us what he's got. He's going to have to show us that he's not year one and year two Josh Allen who didn't have Stephon Diggs, which I don't expect him to, if he, unless he loses Cole Beasley as well. I can see some struggle, but he's still got John Brown. And Josh Allen is, has gotten way better than what he was his first two years. Like he's a he he the first his first two years was a shell of what he is today. And even notable, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback Troy Aikman mentioned how the one thing his knock was on Josh Allen was his his ability to throw, his his completion percentage, his accuracy. It says that in his career he's never seen a quarterback be able to overcome that. Josh Allen is the exception to the rule. He showed us that he is a hard worker. And the one thing you cannot evaluate in combines or scouting is work ethic. 
Players can show you they work hard, but do they work hard? This is a different level of working hard. That's what makes Josh Allen different in this circumstance and why there's no need to sign an apology letter or anything like that. The man showed us something that we've never really seen before. Someone that worked their butt so hard to get better at being accurate. So, because of that, we've got Josh Allen going up against this Colts defense. And I'm not sure what it's going to look like. I see the Bills winning, and I see Josh Allen getting his first win. But the biggest thing for him is going to be how exactly does he respond to that defense and the pressure that's going to put on him and also make smart decisions in a game that's going to be very, very critical. All right, the next game that we have is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Washington football team in D.C. I'm sorry, it's hard for me to even say that without laughing, mainly because Washington has a losing record and it's part of the NFC least. So, Tampa Bay will travel there, unfortunately, on the road as a team with a winning record, going as a team with a losing record. But, what makes this game so much more intriguing than some of the others is that this is Tom Brady's first playoff game, not in a Patriots uniform, not with Bill Belichick as his head coach. So, Tom's got to go out there and prove himself. He's got to prove that no matter what, it wasn't because of the hoodie that he was so great. That it was more him. Even though he really doesn't need to prove that, people want him to prove that. On top of Bruce Arians having to show that with talent, he can actually finish the deed. As he's done great things as a uh, coordinator, but as a head coach, he has not finished anything. Especially with talent. So, Because of that, this game is really critical for the Tom Brady side. Now, for Washington, to be quite honest, this isn't that big of a deal for them. I mean, they got young Chase Young over there at defensive end who really was calling for Tom Brady at the end of that that Philadelphia game. So it's going to be interesting to see how hard he pushes to get inside and what the Buccaneers do to deter him away from getting to Tom Brady. Because Tom is aged. He's older. I mean, he's wiser, but at the same time, he ain't as mobile. Chase Young is a monster. And so we have to see what Tom Brady does to counter going up against him, as that's more so your chess match right there. Then, from there, you have to go with what players are healthy for Tampa Bay. Now, they potentially may lose Mike Evans as well as Sean McCoy, they've got a few other players out. The biggest thing is the healthier team in the NFL playoffs is typically the one that wins or goes the furthest. And so because of that, Tampa Bay is gonna may potentially play without one of their top receivers. But the good thing for them is they got a stable of them. They got a stable of running backs and they got a stable of wide receivers. So that may not be that big of an issue for them. But for Washington, Alex Smith is still kind of hobbled over the last few weeks. So that may be the biggest problem for them. And that Tampa defense, as good as they were at the beginning of the season, has slowly been teetering off. They haven't been as effective as they were before, but that doesn't mean they're bad. I think they'll still be able to go out there and handle all those young boys and do work. So for Tom Brady, it's an opportunity to shine, my man. Make it happen. 
mainly because I'm a Buccaneers fan and I really want you guys to do something for the first time since 2002. Let's get it. And the last game I want to talk about is the Cleveland Browns taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, you may have thought I would have picked the Ravens versus the Titans, even though that one's going to be a super intriguing game. I think this game's going to be a lot more interesting. This is why. First off, the Browns are making the playoffs for the first time since 2002. Wow. I mean, that was the last time my Buccaneers won a Super Bowl and looked relevant, but this team just ain't sending me the playoffs. They just ain't done anything. So, 0-2. Browns, playoffs, now they're in. They get they broke their, their end of their drought, and they're going to Pittsburgh to play them for the second time in a row and the third time this season, as they are AFC North rivals. So, since the Browns beat the Steelers 24-22 last week to get to the playoffs, remember, they did play Mason Rudolph and a bunch of second stringers and third stringers for Pittsburgh in that game and barely beat them. They also play without their coach. So, Stefanski looks like he may not even be able to coach this game due to testing positive for COVID-19. And so the rules in the NFL is, is that if you're not in the stadium, you can't communicate with the team. They have a strict ban on utilizing electronic devices that are outside of the stadium to communicate. So because of that, Stefanski can't travel to technically to Pittsburgh for that game, mainly because he tested positive for COVID-19. Don't want him spreading it to anybody. And so there were rumors about pushing the game back a few days to see if he gets some negative tests and can go coach. But it doesn't look like it's going to happen. I think the NFL is going to go ahead and draw a line in the sand and say that we're going to move forward with this game, whether you like it or not. And I don't see them bending and making an exception for Stefanski to be able to call plays, as he is really the play caller, from home while the team is in Pittsburgh. Now, a lot of people are objecting to it and trying to figure out why that's an issue or whatnot. NFL has its reasons. There could be, if you think about it, there's potentially advantages of seeing it from that vantage point in comparison to seeing it right there on the field. Similar to how all of you feel like you are head coaches and GMs when you sit on your couch and your armchair quarterbacks. Because you can see the field so much better than the quarterback can from the field. Which that is a true statement. From a distance, the picture is a lot clearer. That does not mean that it is better. But for a coach with the mind of Stefanski and the mind of an NFL coach, that could be a real advantage throughout the game. So they're not going to allow him to do that. So because of that, now their play calling is going to go to the offensive coordinator, which I do not know his name. I did not look that up. I did not do the research in that portion of it because I don't think it's relevant. Their main play caller is their head coach. And so now Baker Mayfield is going to have to go out there with their OC and figure this out and make it happen. Do I see it happening? Nah, I think Pittsburgh's just a better overall team, even though Big Ben looks like a shell of himself as age is kicking in at what? He's what, 37? So... I don't see the Browns winning this game, but it's going to be a lot more intriguing to see how hard they fight to get further into the playoffs and how much work they put into Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh has not been looking very good. They're probably one of the worst, what, 11-5 and five teams in the NFL. 
I mean, they went 11-0 and to start, and they just have not looked good ever since. And it's mainly because, as a team, they're not as good as you would have thought they were going to be. They looked like a championship contender at one point, but they've lost four of their last five. So they're 12-4. and four. My apologies, not 11-5, and 12-4. They've lost four of their last five. And they looked bad in every single one of them. They should have lost two more. They should have lost to the Ravens twice. And that's on the Ravens. One, they didn't have uh, Lamar Jackson in one of the games. And the second one, Lamar Jackson cost them the game with all his turnovers throughout. And at the end, if he didn't throw that pick six, Baltimore wins that game. Hindsight's 50-50, so we're not going to go too deep into that. But my point is, Pittsburgh is a shell of itself, especially after they started seeing injuries to the linebacker core. That team is defensive focused. Mike Tomlin built them as a defensive team. They are all about that. And the minute they start losing those linebackers and start going really down the depth chart, that's when you start seeing them be exposed. Offensively, Juju Smith-Schuster is showing that he cannot get the right separation to make himself better without an Antonio Brown next to him. Even though he has Claypool, who has become like a fantasy darling right now, along with Deontay Johnson. They have to figure out how to get Juju to get the separation as a number one that he's commanding from defenses. And then Ben's got to give him the ball. Ben doesn't look like he's throwing it very well deep. He has his moments, but age is showing, and Ben is known for being beat up. He's been beat up most of his career because, you know, he's a towering guy, he's super strong, and he doesn't just fall down. He doesn't lay down to the competition. He takes shots. And when you take shots, your body reminds you about those shots over time. So we have to see what exactly the Steelers are going to have game planned to get the ball out of Ben's hands quickly so that Miles Garrett doesn't get to him. And at the same time, establish a run game because James Conner has not been James Conner this year. And Benny Snell has not been able to be James Conner either. So because of that, This is going to be an intriguing game. I'm going to call that the Steelers win. It's going to be a close one. But it's good to see Cleveland back in the playoffs, and hopefully next year they do it again and go a little bit further. So Baker Mayfield, this is on you. Show us what you got. I'm rooting for you because I'm in Oklahoma and you played at OU. But at the same time, you got to prove the naysayers. Everybody's still doubting you. Show them. Put that chip on your shoulder and show them why they're making a mistake by doubting you. Oh, man, what a show. What a show. Well, I appreciate y'all joining as usual here on Unfair. Uh, Please go through by finishing this. Hit us up on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Download it and listen to and give us a rating and review if, if it's available. And give us five stars. You think we deserve it? Man, just give us five anyway and gift it. So for Mike, Bob, and Wendy, thank you so much for helping out with the production and the videos. I'm actually, I did this entire episode in video also. And for my co-host, Jimmy, check us out. We'll be here Monday doing our thing. Yesterday's Sports News Today will be back starting on Monday. I'll be recording those on Sundays and throughout the week. Goal is two minutes or less. The latest news in sports. And then we'll give analysis and stuff on this podcast as well as my potential solo one coming up soon to where I'm going to try to put together a five day a week show on top of this one. Or I may just go three days a week since we're doing 
five days total. They gotta give us five days total. Eh, we'll see what happens. So with that, we'll chop it up in a few days. Peace.